0: SB Nation and T-Mobile present the 2021 MLB Draft First Round Review.
1: and welcome into SB Nation's MLB Draft Round 1 Recap brought to you by T-Mobile. I'm your host, Sam Wilson, along with John Stolness of The Good Fight and Eric Steven of True Blue LA. And guys, the Pittsburgh Pirates with the number one pick select catcher Henry Davis out of Louisville. Davis was projected to go within the top five picks tonight, but wasn't mentioned a lot for that number one overall spot. Did the pick shock you guys? John, you can start first and then Eric will get your response.
0: Not really. I mean I think he was projected to be a top uh, top four, top five guy. Uh the the, the name you saw mock to the to the pirates in, in most of the mocks that I looked at anyway was a uh, shortstop out of East Lake High School in California, Marcella Meyer. Um and a lot of the conversation with the pirates was whether or not they were gonna Try and get somebody who they could pay under slot a little bit so that they could spread that money around in the second and third round. And that's a lot of the reason why Meyer's name was attached to him. But, um, you know, Henry Davis is a I I love taking a college catcher, you know, especially a guy with hit with with who has looks like he has the ability to hit as well as this guy does. He's got a terrific arm behind the plate. Um, you know, it seems like if you're going to build a team, one of the, one of the hardest positions to get right is catcher. And if you can get yourself a blue chip offensive catcher behind the plate, you can, you can really be successful at the big league level. And, uh, and Henry Davis, you know, again, we don't know what these guys just starting off, but it looks like that's a pretty solid number one overall pick in a draft when there was really no consensus. Number one.
1: Yeah. And for you, Eric.
2: Yeah, so I think it might have come down to like um, not necessarily signability, but like John mentioned, um, being able to sort of spread around your bonus pool like throughout your, uh, you know, your ten picks in the first round. That's how the, the the recommended slots for the first ten rounds determine the bonus pool. And the Pirates have more money to spend than anyone, but maybe maybe they don't spend full slot on the first pick. So maybe w- one of those two high school shortstops, uh, Jordan Lawler or uh, Marcelo Meyer. Might have been, you know, the right pick for them, but you know, getting um, getting Henry Davis is also pretty great. Like, you know, in terms of talent, and it might give them a little bit more money. You can you can reach a little bit, or, or go for some of the guys who dropped with maybe the second round pick or something like that. So I think that, that probably played into it more than anything.
1: Now, there were a lot of top draft prospects that dropped. We already mentioned Marcelo Meyer. Um, Jordan Lawler was another one, Kumar Rocker. What were some drops that shocked you guys most? John, you can start again.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I think the big one, uh, you mentioned it just a, a minute ago, um, was uh, Khalil Watson um, was a guy who was expected to go in the top 10. Marlins ended up getting him at number 16, Wake Forest shortstop. I mean, he was a guy that uh, everybody was kind of surprised to see drop. And I think some of the unusual moves early in the early in the first round kind of you know it was an unusual it was an unusual draft here with the with the Orioles going with Colton Cowser at at number 5 uh again taking a guy who i think we're talking about something they did last year too was trying to spend under the slot a little bit in the first round to spread the money around in the second and third round going with Cowser in that spot and uh the the Royals going with uh, Franklin Moscardo uh kind of just shook up the draft board a little bit and i think you know the Marlins end up getting a steal in a a major conference college shortstop a guy who can play up the middle guy was expected to go at least six or seven spots before he did uh for him to fall to the to the marlins at 16 was great value for them
1: yeah and for you eric
2: you know a lot of people were talking about ty madden uh right-hander out of texas um some of the uh rankings like baseball america i believe uh fangraphs as well both had him as like the 12th best prospect but he sort of dropped uh i think he dropped all the way to the he was picked tonight in the supplemental round, or yeah, the, the competitive balance round A. He went 32 mm-hmm. overall, so not quite, you know, maybe where he would have thought, but like, uh, let's see, who actually got him? I guess the the Tigers got him, so they, maybe that's that ends up being like a good pick for them in terms of like um, being able to spend extra money on, on one of the later picks, even though the slot isn't uh, isn't as high as some of those early picks.
0: I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, and I don't want to. I don't want to gloss over Kumar Rocker going to the Mets at number ten because Sam, you mentioned him mm-hmm. uh, when you were asking the topic. I mean, that is that's a big thing for the Mets. I mean, for to get one of the Vanderbilt right-handed pitchers, uh, a guy who a lot of people again thought was going to go top five to fall for them at number ten. They really liked him. They really wanted him. It was kind of surprising that he lasted as long as he did. I, I, J.J. Cooper has this stat on on Rocker, which is I think my favorite stat of the draft. He threw Kumar Rocker threw 828 breaking balls. Opponents hit 081 against them. He has he in against with 828 breaking balls. He gave up 18 hits in those 828 breaking balls. 12 singles and six doubles. So he's got command issues. You know it's a little up and down, but that's a guy. When you've got stuff like that, and you can get him at number 10 when he's expected to go top five, and you know these Vanderbilt. Pitchers are just – they they come off an assembly line there. Uh, it's tremendous value for the Mets. So two National League East teams really make out well in the first round.
1: Yeah, and John, to go along with that, Kumar, Rocker, he did have some of those command issues you saw more in this year, which kind of dropped his value, as you already mentioned. But if you look back to that 2019 year before the pandemic – Obviously, he had an outstanding year and was even in the College World Series, the most valuable player. So Mm -hmm. it's more of a, do you believe the 75% that you see that's outstanding or the 25% that's iffy?
0: right and and we have to remember too with the pandemic last year uh the a lot of these high school and college seasons got cut short uh, college uh college seasons got canceled and even coming into this year things were a little hinky with a lot of these different colleges so um you know it's it's you don't the pandemic affects all these different players in in all kinds of different ways and and i think you're uh, you're looking at you're just trying to find okay let's let's find some of the guys in in college and high school especially pitchers who have who have you know We can project their velocity. We can project their breaking stuff. You know, we can we can project these different kinds of things with with reasonable certainty. And that's why I I really love going after the college pitchers in the first round because at the very least you've seen them pitch against better competition. You've seen you've seen them pitch a little bit more. You've seen them pitch against the best you know the the best collection of high school players in the country. All go get Division one scholarships. I want to see I want to see those guys perform against college hitters, as opposed to spending first round picks on high school pitchers, where there is so much more, uh, it's, it's so much more vulnerability in, in, in making a pick there.
1: Yeah. Now we already talked about some of the prospects that dropped. What were the most notable names for you guys that snuck their way up? John, you already mentioned, um, Colton Kowser at number five to the Orioles. What were some other names that kind of snuck their way in that shocked you guys? Eric, you can start this one off.
2: Yeah. So I think, um, You know, covering the Dodgers, I've been focused, they had the 29th pick. So I sort of focused on the, like the back end of the first round and like they managed to, they drafted a guy, um, named uh, Maddox Bruns, who I'm certain I'm going to misspell his last name because (laughs) it looks like Burns, but it's not, but, uh, he was, most of his like at least rankings were in like the, you know, the forties and fifties and in that sort of range. Um. But they sort of they don't have another pick um, because they forfeited their second round pick. They don't have another pick till the third round, so that was part of it. But you you, you know see some of these things. Uh, I think also Jackson Job um, at number three to the Tigers. Um, you know he went ahead of both of the the two shortstops we talked about earlier, who could have been like the number one overall pick. Uh, so maybe that was a reach in terms or like a surprise at least uh, in terms of going that high. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's hard like. That's the thing I want to stress. Like, with uh, without like devoting full time uh, resources to knowing, it's really hard to know about these players because a lot of them are yeah. high school high schoolers, and we know the college people at least a little more. But uh, baseball is such a daily sport; it's hard to like keep track of other uh, stuff, even if it's within baseball. And so, like, it is. There's a lot of guessing games. Obviously, the the teams know a lot a lot more and and devote more resources to it. But it is a this, we're all like on a fact-finding mission now, like after the picks are made, <laughs> and trying to figure out exactly who these people are. Um, just as a point, back to, a little bit to Kumar, Kumar Rocker. Um, it's weird. Uh, it, the MLB draft is not like other sports, like college and and, and in, excuse me, uh, football and basketball. You have guys going straight from college to the pros. In some cases, I guess high school or used to be in basketball, but. Those are stars that people actually know about and they contribute right away. Nobody contributes right away in baseball. It's, all, it's always like a, a, a little bit of a development curve. So even like someone like Kumar Rocker, he's not going to debut in the majors, I, I would mm-hmm. imagine. And so, yet the, the, fact, the fact that the Mets picked him, John was right on on this. He is like one of the, the true stars of the draft. Like yep. people knew about him in 2019 when he threw the no-hitter in the Super Regional and I mean, and he has a cool name, like literally Kumar Rocker. That's like, that's a badass name. And so, <laughs> like, I don't know, it, it, it's weird. It, it, I think the Mets, with new ownership, they're, they're going for buzz. And obviously, Kumar Rocker's talented enough to be drafted where he was drafted. But just to have that sort of buzz, I think that that's a little bit of an extra oomph for that uh, pick for them.
1: Yeah, and John, what about you? What were some of the names that surprised you that snuck their way in well, to this Well, I'll tell round?
0: you. I- the, the the player that uh, the team that I cover, the Phillies, took at number 13, Andrew Painter, uh, was surprised to see him go um, where he did. I mean, the second straight year, the Phillies have targeted uh, a young high school right-handed pitcher last year going and, and getting Mick Abel. And, and Abel seems to be progressing really well in the Phillies minor league system. He's having a, a very good uh, first full season in, in the minors there. But, you know, when you, you've got Khalil, I know, you know, following the Phillies Twitterverse, you know, all of the armchair. <laughs> experts were calling for Khalil Watson obviously as as the as the pick was coming down it was seemingly it was you've got this really good Seeming prospect right there, and you go out and you, you go out and you get Andrew Painter, who could be very good. I know the Phillies talked about uh, that they saw him throw ninety six, ninety seven miles an hour for them uh, at different points in different games that they saw this year. And and a lot of times that's what you also have to rely on too. Is you know these teams send their own people out to, to to watch these kids, and and you can't you know the people who follow these who these players, you know, Baseball America, baseball perspectives, Fangraphs, they have people who go out and see these kids once in a while, and you know sometimes you know maybe half dozen times but you can't see every start you can't see every performance and so the teams had do their own due diligence obviously they have their own area scouts who see these kids a lot more and so you kind of have to you kind of have to say okay maybe the Phillies saw something here at Andrew Painter that not a lot of other teams saw because Painter was not expected to go this high I think people were targeting him in the 20s at some point maybe even a little bit further down than that and you know this it's if you're looking at the biggest bust rate as far as draft picks go, it's high school pitchers. It's it's the least dependable grouping of players in the first round. And it always makes me nervous when you keep doubling down on high school pitching, high school pitching, because there, there is a bigger bust rate for that than there is for anything else. So the Phillies going two years in a row, going out and getting another high school right-handed pitcher in Andrew Painter seemed a bit early to me, seemed a bit of a reach to me. But they obviously uh, like going after high school pitchers. Here and obviously felt pretty good about Andrew Painter to take him at number 13.
1: Now, for the first time tonight, the MLB draft was held on All-Star weekend. And then it's also, for the first time, cut from the usual 40 rounds down to just 20 this year. Do you guys think either of those aspects affected last night's round one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think from the people involved, uh, I guess like the teams, they have their like specific departments sort of working on the draft. However, it, it's it's a huge cluster. Like, uh, it, I think it's good from an excitement standpoint to a point to have the draft, like, at the same time as the All-Star game. But then again, we have two off days sitting here after the All-Star game, Wednesday and Thursday, that MLB could have had the draft on, had days all to itself. I, I, and But, like, for instance, today there was a full slate of Major League Baseball games. The Futures game, which is, like, the showcase of the – everyone in the uh, like the top prospects in the sport, they're playing at the same time as major league games. So like, who's really watching it? That should have been like a Wednesday thing. Uh, and then the draft is, the draft is always weird because it goes on during the season when games are happening. So that's not that big of a deal, but t- they could have had it where it's, it's in its own schedule. It's got the off days and it's its own thing and still generated the excitement. I guess, uh, Maybe it's hard to get that many people together for like four, like five or six days in terms of like the baseball industry, rather than like two or three. So maybe that's why it's all ch- crammed together. But it, it does seem like a little much, like all at once, um, to to have like everything going on at the same time.
1: Yeah, I agree, John. What were your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, and, and look, I see what baseball's trying to do here. They're they're trying to bring some more eyeballs to the draft, and, and they're trying to pump it up more like the NBA draft and the NFL draft. But to Eric's point a few minutes ago, we don't know who any of these kids are. We don't know who any of these high school kids. None of the high school players are. are no one knows outside of the, the 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 scouts who cover these kids. And you know, unless you. Unless you are an SEC sports fan and you're really into college baseball, and let's face it, there's not a lot of American casual sports fans who really follow college baseball all that closely. You don't know who Kumar Rocker is, you know. You don't know who Jack Leiter is. You don't know who a lot of these different guys are, unless you are really into college baseball. Whereas casual sports fans, they know who Devonta Smith is. You know, they 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 know who the top NBA prospects are. And so when those drafts happen, these kids are already stars. I mean, you already know who all these. Players are, and it's like, oh, wh- who who's going to go where? You're you're excited to see which of these players is going to go to which team. Is my team going to get this guy I really liked in college? That's just not the way it is with baseball, and so it, it's never going to be that event. And that doesn't make the Major League Baseball draft a bad event. It just means there's only so much you can do in order to in order to make this a marquee event. So I like Eric's idea of there's you know there's only one day on the sports calendar. Where there's absolutely nothing happening, and it's the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That's a perfect time to do it. It gives fans that would give fans something to kind of pay attention to, as opposed to like like you saying on you know, on Sunday when you've got uh, the the final games of the unofficial first half of the Major League season ending, and you got you got players. You know, we're still naming All Stars to the All-Star team for for players who are getting injured and all that stuff. There's just there's so much else going on. You know, it didn't make sense. I, I get what they're doing to have it during the All-Star game. To me, I think it still makes more sense as a separate event. Um simply because I think it also kinda A month ago, I didn't know the Major League Baseball draft was happening during the All-Star game. It didn't even occur to me that that with June passed and there was no there was no draft. So it didn't it didn't really give it any more gravitas as far as I was concerned.
2: I, I sort of like having it later, not necessarily at the same time as other events like it is. But, um, you know, previously the draft was like first week or two of June and it was like before the College World Series or right as it was starting. So you had a lot of situations where uh, teams are draft guys and then you're you're sitting there watching your like the team from a team's perspective, the team, the player you put a commitment in. And you're going like, oh, okay, maybe don't throw this guy 140 pitches tonight. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> so, like, at least now it's, like, it's like after everything's done, you have a better idea. So, like, that part of it is good. But I agree, like, make it its own sort of thing. Even if you tie it to All-Star Week and make it make it All-Star Week or whatever, like, or Baseball Development Week, whatever you want to call it. But, like, ha- have the draft have its own day and, like, give it um, – I mean, look, tonight – uh, what the draft was, for a lot of the night, opposite the NBA Finals. Obviously, the NBA Finals aren't going to be in July in normal years, but <laughs> it, it's just weird how things sort of work against uh, like the baseball in that respect.
1: Now, before we get into some of our favorite and not-so-favorite picks of last night, let's get some more information about tonight's number one overall pick, catcher Henry Davis. So who better to talk to than Jeremy Brenner of Bucks Dugout? Jeremy,
3: welcome in. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's a crazy day in the <laughs> burg, but I think uh considering how things are, uh people in Pittsburgh should be really happy about this.
1: Yeah, we're going to get right into it. So I saw Henry Davis linked as the Pirates possibility maybe once or twice, and it wasn't really until today that you started seeing his name connected to the Pirates. Were you surprised at all by the Pirates' number one overall pick?
3: Yes and no at the same time. It's it's difficult because we've been looking at this for a couple of months now. And if you look at who we thought it was going to be during the season, it was like back and forth between Kamar Rocker and Jack Leiter. And it was back and forth. One day it would be Rocker on top. The other day it would be Leiter on top. And then all of a sudden these last couple of weeks, uh Marcella Meyer comes up as like the number one option. And I think he was the person most people were expecting from, Tonight, going into the night to be that number one pick. Yeah. However, you know, just in in true Pirates fashion, the thing is with this <laughs> draft, the thing is with, th- th- with this specific draft, it's not like last year where Torkelson was the obvious number one pick or the previous year where Adley Rushman was the clear, no doubt, number one pick. So the Pirates had a bunch of different opportunities. And with Ben Sherrington, this being his first draft as the Pirates GM, there was no like there was nothing to back this off of. So we really had to decide um we really had to decide who was going to be the guy and you know we were thinking it was going we were thinking it was going to be Meyer, but the fact that they went Henry Davis is I think a good thing because they went middle infield last year with Nick Gonzalez and the fact that – and we have shortstops that are coming in through the system. O'Neill Cruz is likely going to be that guy moving forward. Rodolfo Castro, who has hit two home runs this past weekend, he's probably going to be the second baseman for the next several years after uh, this likely Adam Frazier trade that's going to happen within the next three weeks. So – they have talent within the middle infield, and when you're drafting number one overall, you don't necessarily want to go by by need, by a specific position. You want to take the best player, but at the same time, you need to look at what's best for the organization, and I think Henry Davis could be a catcher. However, I think there's also a chance that he could play maybe in the outfield, maybe first base possibly. So I think the Pirates came to the conclusion that this guy, Henry Davis, was the best possible bat that they could have gotten. They wanted to go best player available. And with this draft, it was kind of a a cloudy idea as to who that really was. And at the end of the day, it really only mattered what the Pirates thought because they were the only ones with the number one pick. They took their guy and they are smiling at their decision that they've made.
1: You already mentioned his versatility. And obviously, one of his biggest pros is Davis is an offensive-minded catcher, which I know from experience they like and a lot of teams really like. <laughs> yeah. But break down some of the pros and cons of the backstop at his current level. Yeah,
3: so he was the num he he led the ACC in batting this year. He was batting 370 this year, which is insane. Uh and he also I believe he had more more walks than strikeouts, which that's I think the one yeah. thing that's so important about the game. You want to get guys that don't know how to get out and that that's really out it is it's like it's like the moneyball approach in a way where you know you're not necessarily looking for guys that are hitting the home runs or necessarily getting guys that are going for RBIs but there's a whole lot of value in guys that just are a tough out and but the good thing about Henry Davis too is he's not just a guy that's you know not going to get out he can mash he can hit for power he can hit for average and he can be that backstop which I think catcher might be the hardest position to really find out of anyone because catchers are such a specialty position, I guess other than pitchers, but catchers are such a rare find that guys like Henry Davis who have this plus power, who have this, you know, ability to be a power hitter as a catcher, that's insanely, insanely valuable. And I really think the Pirates, I don't know, I don't think they view him necessarily as a catcher because he is more offensive-minded than than his defense uh, suggests. So I personally think that the Pirates looked at this guy as a utility guy. Maybe he can play behind the plate. If that works out, great. If it doesn't, we can, you know, they have Jacob Stallings, who's had a decent year, but he's not really going to be the guy for the future. There are also several other catchers, which I'm sure you know, in, in the <laughs> system that they're working on. So... There is not a guarantee that Henry Davis is going to come up to the big leagues, whether it be two, three years from now, maybe four years, as the team's, you know, backstop of the future. However, I, I do think that, you know, it's, but it's really nice to have that option, Sam, of having a catcher yeah. because it might be the hardest position to find out of all of the ones, you know, all of the offensive positions.
1: Well, yeah, to your point, I mean, you can transition a catcher or somebody that starts as a catcher to another Bryce position. Harper. You can't, yeah. You can't take somebody from the outfield and necessarily just throw them back behind the plate, you know? But you already kind of mentioned this, looking at the Pirates organization as a whole, they have a good amount of utility and middle infielders, and that was one of the things that kind of made me skeptical when they were looking at shortstops these last couple days at their number one overall pick. What were your thoughts about some of the mock drafts coming into tonight? Were there some names that you kind of really stuck on, and are there any that you really hope they kind of took instead of Davis?
3: You know, I think, Mar- I think I would have been happy if, if, if Meyer was the pick who was supposed to come in tonight. The thing is, the Pirates need talent. That's just yeah. the end all be all. They need talent. They were the worst team in baseball last year. And they're in the middle of this, this rebuild that they have. And, and I would say that most of the roster that is going to be there when they are competitive again is not there right now. You can argue that Brian Hayes will be there when the team is good again. You can maybe make that argument for a guy like Brian Reynolds, who's going to be in the All-Star game. He's only 26 years old. Maybe he'll be there, you know, in his early thirties as, as this contending Pirates team kind of takes shape. But other than those two guys, there's really very few guys you can say, yes, he will definitely be there when this team's rebuild is over. So I think you can argue for anybody that was in that top five. You could argue for Meyer. You could argue for, you could argue for Henry Davis. You could argue for Jack Leiter. You could make the case, you know, for, I mean, there were a lot of surprises with, yeah. um, <laughs> with the third pick with, uh, with, um, with Detroit and then with Baltimore. Kamar Rocker went all the way to 10. Like, if he was the number one pick, I don't think people would have seen much of an issue with that. The thing is, there's a lot of talent at the top of the draft in so many different areas, and the Pirates need a lot of talent in various different areas. So there is obviously cons to every guy as well. And I think the big con with Meyer, which I think that's like the story of the draft tonight, really, is why did Marcelo Meyer fall to four? It's not usually something we see where the, the projected one, one drops as much as he did. And I think a big reason for that might have been the fact that, uh, he felt maybe he deserved a little bit more money. There's always the, there's always the concern that if you take a guy that is a high schooler that they can go, to they can go to college like some have like Brady Aiken a few years ago was the number one overall pick for the Astros and he opted not to sign with them and he went into college and I think that is maybe that was a fear that they had I don't know how other teams what their reasoning was by passing him but also at the same time you know you can make the argument for passing on Meyer because the Pirates just really liked Henry Davis or the Rangers just really like Jack Leiter so I think that the, the reason they made their decision, like, they were they were basically splitting hairs. And had they picked Meyer, had they picked um, Jack Leiter, had they picked Kamar Rocker, I would have been totally fine. Jordan Lawler as well. But tonight they went Henry Davis, and they got a talented, a very talented player. And I think that at the end of the day, that's, that's what the Pirates need.
1: You mentioned that the Pirates need a lot of talent in a lot of positions. Looking at these next couple of days, what are some areas that you kind of hope the Pirates draft within
3: these next couple rounds. I would like for them to go pitching, pitching, and more <laughs> pitching. I think that they, they really need as many arms as possible. There's a lot of guys right now within the team. Like, there's no real, like, I get, there's Quinn Priester, who's played in the futures mm-hmm. game, but there really isn't, like, a surefire, like, pitching prospect that everyone's, like, looking at, other than Quinn Priester, that they're really, like, really excited about. So, I think pitching is definitely high on on uh, Ben Sherrington's priority list. However, I mean, he had the chance to go and get, like, a, a highly touted college arm, and he opted for Henry Davis. Maybe that's just a sign, though, of how much he's really liked Henry Davis. So, I think pitching is definitely high on Sherrington's list, and I I would be honestly pretty surprised if they went maybe to the fourth round and didn't pick up at least one pitcher. So I I definitely expect a pitcher to be the pick um, at the second round or the third round, or if not both.
1: Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, tell the listeners where they can find your work and all your socials.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Sam. So you can find me on Twitter. At Jeremy Brenner. That's J E R E M Y B R E N E R. And you can also head to Bucks Dugout on Twitter or uh, Ducks Bugout. <laughs> no, it is Bucks Dugout. B U C S <laughs> D U G O U T. Head over there for all things Pittsburgh Pirates. Also head to the website, BucksDugout.com, home of all things Pittsburgh Pirates at SBNation.com.
1: Awesome. For everyone else, stay tuned for more round one recap. Welcome back to SB Nation's MLB Draft Round 1 Recap, brought to you by T-Mobile. Let's jump right into our favorite and not-so-favorite picks of the night. So guys, what was your absolute favorite pick of the night? For me, I have two. I can't really decide. I really like Jordan Lawler at number 6 to Arizona. He was one of the best defensively on the board, and he dropped somehow to number 6. So that was a great pick by them. I just think... He has that star power, and I think it's going to carry him. But I also hate to love, We already mentioned it, the Mets number 10 overall, uh, overall, Kumar Rocker, because I just think he's going to prove to be something very, very scary for my favorite team, the Philadelphia Phillies, of course. So those are my favorite picks. What about you, Eric?
2: In a weird way, not so much for the pick itself, but the one I sort of loved was Jack Leiter going second overall, and not necessarily just because he went second. But uh, I happened to be watching the ESPN broadcast when that happened, and they—he was not on site in Denver, so they had like a, a mobile interview with him, and he was already decked out like in a Rangers jersey. So, like the first question Carl Ravitch asked him was. Uh, so how many jerseys did you have there? Because he didn't need to know when he was going to get picked. Uh-huh. And, like, there was this weird zoom lag, so it was, like, a very odd thing. But then lighter eventually he's like, yeah, I have, like, ten of them. You know, he just sort of admitted it. And I, I always thought that, like, that kind of stuff is fascinating to me. Like, just the preparation these guys have to go through. There has to be, like, a closet full of jerseys just to be prepared for anything. Or imagine you did that, and then you fall to, like, 16 and you don't have that team's jersey. That's 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 rough. So like <laughs> that that was my favorite pick. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll go with Jack Lighter.
1: Yeah, if you don't have the jersey, it's kind of like Dad, go get me a red shirt. You know, like <laughs> <run>. <laughs> John. What was your favorite?
0: I mean, Al Leiter pitched for enough teams. They probably here probably has some in the in the closet yeah, anyway, right? right? You know, I mean, um, I'm going. You know, obviously Rocker with the Mets and and Watson with the Marlins are are two obvious ones. One of the other ones I wanted to mention. Uh, how could we not mention Max Muncy? Uh, no, not the Dodgers' perennial All Star, but uh, the Thousand Oaks High School shortstop out of California, drafted by the Oakland A's at number twenty-five. Yes, there could be another Max Muncy in the major leagues within the next few years. I just think it's hysterical that these two that these two people, both named Max Muncy, who are not related but share the same birthday. Think about this. Oh, wow! They they share the same birthday, um, and and I, I believe Max Muncy, if I'm not mistaken, was also uh in the Oakland farm system before he went over to the A's. Am I? Am I? I mean, before he went over to the Dodgers, I th- I think I don't think I'm crazy when I say that. Um, yeah,
2: he, he was a he was a fifth round pick in 2012, and then he got released uh in like the end of spring training in 2017. Right. Dodgers swooped in, and then, like a year later, he was hitting right. like thirty-five home runs for them. So, right, it was very weird. So the
0: A's, so the A's are absolutely dead set on having not making a second <laughs> Max Muncie mistake uh, by taking him at number twenty-five overall. Love that pick.
1: <laughs> so I don't want to say worst, but so we'll say the riskiest pick of the night for me. I We already talked about the risk of a pitcher out of high school. So for me, it's the number seven overall pick, Kansas City taking the left-handed pitcher, Frank Mazzucato. And he's from, uh, I forget, something Christian in Connecticut. But I think that is the riskiest thing. He performed well this last season. But like we said, it's already risky, one, to take a high school pitcher, and then two, to take it out of the Northeast I think he's the first one since like 2014 to be taken that early out of a Northeast high school. So I just think that is my riskiest pick of the night. Um, Eric, what about you?
2: So in a weird way, as much as I do love the symmetry of Max Muncy getting drafted by the A's twice, (laughs) um, he's actually my, my worst pick because I did want him to fall to the Dodgers at number 29, just so the Dodgers (laughs) could have both Max Muncies. also the fact that he went in the first round, the same day that other Max Muncy uh, hit, happened to hit a walk-off home run for the Dodgers. So, like, very – would have been very symmetrical. And also, too, like, um, older Max Muncie, I guess we call him, uh, is on his way to Denver or what was on, on Sunday night. And, like, they could have met up, like, on Monday or something uh, in Denver just to – I don't know. It's, it's just a weird situation. So I that would have been my worst. But like, the more I thought about it, like, had – Both Max Muncie's been with the Dodgers. You could have had a situation where, uh, say, in spring training—not necessarily next year because he's a high school infielder—maybe he's not going to be in major league camp. But uh, let's say in like 2023 spring training, both Max Muncies are sitting there. Are are they allowed to touch each other? Is this a Ron Silver and Time cop situation? (laughs) Does like the universe fold in on itself? Like, so it's it's. I didn't want. I don't want to play with that kind of danger. So actually, I'm sort of glad the Dodgers didn't pick. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and John for you. Yeah, I think one of the riskier picks was uh the Mariners taking Harry Ford, catcher out of North Cobb High School. Uh high school we say high school pitchers are the riskiest uh, type of player to pick and that is true only perhaps followed closely behind by high school catchers and you know I think if he if it works out he seems like he's got uh, he's got a a nice combination of size and and flexibility I like how ESPN described him Kylie McDaniel described him as being built like a power lifter who's also a yoga instructor that Mm -hmm. sounds like something you want out of a catcher but taking a high school catcher at number 12 man the the list of high school catchers taken in the first round who never pan out to be anything is a long and not not so distinguished list. So um, that to me is a move. And I, and I hate the Phillies taking Painter. I, I just, I, I cannot, uh, when, when, when mm-hmm. you've got, uh, when you've got Watson sitting on the board there, I I just think is going to be. You know, I think is a much better prospect than than Painter. I think it's an unnecessary risk to take for for a farm system that desperately needs talent, and they need talent everywhere they can get it. Uh, but I think especially off on the offensive side of things, they abs- they need they need some really good players in that farm system, and you know they they took a guy who is probably not going to be ready to pitch for them for another four or five years.
2: In a similar vein, the Dodgers um with their pick, they took Maddox Bruns, who again. I'm going to try to not say Burns. It's in my head. I can't stop. (laughs) But he has a commitment to Mississippi State. He's a high school pitcher, I guess. He's actually 19 now. He pitched at a prep school last year. Um, Under the current, like, front office, this is like the seventh year of their um, seventh draft they've been a part of, they've only taken one other high school pitcher in the first round, and that was JT Ginn in 2018, who also had a commitment to Mississippi State, and then they weren't able to sign him. Like. And it didn't it's, – it's not a killer because you get a compensatory pick the next year if that happens, but it sort of sets things back. And I'm not saying this new um, Maddox-Bruns is not going to sign, but maybe the Dodgers are trying to Max maximize this situation where they take another Mississippi State guy, trying to convince him to sign. This time they do it, and then they can sort of erase the, the badge bad juju from that
1: well it is going to be interesting this year too to see how many guys decide to actually go with their commitment now that they can make money off of their name with ncaa's new uh rule. so that's going to be an interesting thing to see if it affects the draft at all
0: Yeah, I wonder how much that's going to affect college pitchers as, I mean, I think college basketball players and, and college football players certainly stand to gain a lot. And college pitch, college baseball players, I'm sure, stand to gain something too if your likeness is used in video games and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think to, to, for, I mean, eric correct me if i'm wrong but you know i it doesn't seem to me that you know for a high school pitcher necessarily for a high school i'm not a high school pitcher for for a college baseball player that the reward might not be quite the same as what we would see for a basketball player and football player
2: yeah and then i think just in terms of um being known like you know there's the upper end like kumar rocker relatively known but like he's not going to be doing like a uh, he's going to be doing like a lo- more of a local ad, you know, somewhere in Nashville for at Vanderbilt or something like that. Had he, you know, stayed in college or something like that, I- maybe he's a national guy. Like, I-, I don't see like these massive endorsement deals or anything like that happening. But yeah, it- it'll be interesting. I, I sort of like the-, the local aspect of it in terms of like, um, you know, the local car dealership or uh, mm. like the local steakhouse. So I- I'm a big fan of like just the, low-budget production of, like, local commercials. So, like, the more of those yeah. we can have and, and, like, they're creative too. They're, they're pretty funny. So, like, I, I'm on board.
1: Okay, so these next couple ones, it's completely just... Kind of made up, because obviously we didn't have too much time to look up these guys. Most likely to make their MLB debut first. For me, I think the safest one with that is right-handed pitcher Jack Leiter. We already said it. The Rangers, I think, is the perfect team for him to climb up right away, and I think he'll be the first to debut. What about you, John?
0: Yeah, I had Jack Leiter as well. I think Jack Leiter, uh, you know, certainly has the. Anytime you're a college pitcher coming from a program like Vanderbilt, you are you're you're pretty much major league ready. And so, in that vein, also, I think you also have to look at Rocker as probably being on a a similar time frame.
2: I I agree with that in a sense. um, Just like he's probably more known, but I think I wonder if if he's used like say this year, it would it would probably be in relief. I would imagine. I was looking at some of the the previous drafts. I think the last three, uh, at least dating back to like in the last like ten years or so, um, the last three uh, players drafted and then playing for the team in that same year were all relievers. Paco Rodriguez with the Dodgers in two thousand twelve, Brandon Finnegan with the Royals in in two thousand fourteen, and then Garrett Crochet last year uh, with the White Sox. Some of these pitchers who like sort of are quick risers. They might start in relief and then go to starting later, like Kyle Wright did that with the Braves. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it could be some, like maybe um, uh, Bednar from Mississippi State. Uh, not that the like the Giants would necessarily. Well, they who knows they might need him, but he he looked pretty great in the College World Series. He was the most outstanding player, so maybe it's him for me. Uh, but it really is a crapshoot in terms of mm-hmm. figuring who's 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 going to be first. Isn't always necessarily who's going to be best, like Chris Sale was the first pitcher to the majors in 2010, and you're like, okay, that makes that makes sense. Looking back on it, he's pretty great. But, you know, uh, may- maybe it's okay to wait just a little bit for some of these guys, too.
1: Yeah, so now going into the next one, this is a total crapshoot, to take your word, Eric. Who's the most likely to be in the Hall of Fame? And for me, I don't want to say Lighter again, so I'm going to say Jordan Lawler. I just like his name. I like the star power. I think he's going to be something. What about for you guys? John, you can go first.
0: I will go with Marcelo Meyer. I I think he was number one in a lot of people's drafts for a reason. There seems to be a lot more... Uh there seems to be a lot more upside with his bat. Uh he's he's a big, you know, good-sized kid, 6 foot 3, left-handed hitting shortstop. It seems like he's going to be able to stay at shortstop, uh, above-average defender there. Um good footwork, good hands, uh, good arm strength, you know. I think uh I think and he's going to play for a Red Sox team that really knows how to develop players. I mean, they just they churn out good young players pretty regularly. So, um you know, I think the, the obvious answer, everyone you want to say is, oh, the guy taking number one, Henry Davis. You know, I think that certainly is a good possibility, but I think, uh, Marcelo Meyer is a, is a kid who, uh, seems like he's got a ton of upside and plays a premium position.
2: For the sake of being different, uh, I, I, cause I don't want to double up on that. <laughs> uh, I, I I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Henry Davis. And again, I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about Henry Davis, but I, I, John was, uh, convincing earlier about just sort of the, the the high floor of like having ice uh, or college catcher and and potentially being good in the majors. He went number one. Like I was sort of stunned at this, like how few number one overall picks are actually in the hall of fame. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ken Griffey was the first Um, and, and like Chipper Jones uh, after that. So obviously a rod, if you know, I guess eventually could get in by like some, the veterans committee in like twenty one seventeen or something. <laughs> but like, but yeah. And I guess maybe Joe Maurer could get in eventually, but there's very few number one overall picks. So I just, just hoping that a number one pick actually makes it, I, I'm going to go, I'll go with Henry Davis.
0: So, so you're, down on, you're, you're, you're down on Mickey Moniac's chances of, of getting there you know, like, yeah. if you're still doubting?
2: <laughs> I, I'm still holding out for uh, Matt Bush.
1: Okay, this next one. Nudge, hug, marry out of the top three. So, Henry Davis, Jack Later, and Jackson Job. I nudge Jackson Job, hug Henry Davis. Sorry to my fiance, you know, the conflict of interest there. And then marry Jack Later. What about you guys?
0: Yeah, I, I think I have it kind of the same way. I've, I'm nudging Job, I'm hugging Lighter, and I am marrying Davis.
2: So I, I just picked Henry Davis to go to the Hall of Fame, but I'm gonna. Ju- <laughs> I think I'm just gonna hug him. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with marrying Jack Lighter because, like, let's say even if he doesn't work out, you still have like Al Lighter in the family, so it's kind of a cool thing to be like Thanksgiving and stuff. <laughs> And then I have to nudge Jackson Job. Uh, again, high school pitchers are risky. He's as far as I can tell, he's not related to Frank Job, who performed the first Tommy John surgery and just is actually a legend, probably should be in the baseball Hall of Fame. But like, and I'm not saying this makes it likely he's gonna get injured, but to have that name as a pitcher, it's like you know, it's it's the opposite of Outman or something like that. Uh, like yeah. a, a cool name. So it's unfortunate. So it, since he's in the top three, Sorry, uh, Jackson, I have to, I have to cut you.
1: <laughs> Eric, to your point, too, about having Lighter in the family, it's not a bad family to be a part of because him, his dad, his uncle, his cousin, all MLB guys. So it's, a, it's good company to be a part of. That's and, a fun
2: Thanksgiving table, yeah, exactly. Right? Imagine the
1: stories. Imagine the autographs, all that that comes along with it. Before we go, guys, I need a rundown on some of these names and some of their star power.
2: Okay, so I was looking through, <laughs> this is a tough, so we talked about Kumar Rocker, 100% absolute star name. It's great that the Mets took him. Like, you wish that, you know, in a perfect world, he's he pitches for the Mets, like, next week or something. That's not going to happen, but, like, you know, that's awesome. Let, let's say he's great out of the game. But another great name who isn't going to pitch for a while because he had Tommy John surgery is Gunnar Hogland, which Gunnar, come on, like, perfect name. Like that's a rock. It's a literal <laughs> rock star name. Um, so like that's pretty great. Um, something I was looking forward to. Obviously, Max Muncie because you want I want two Max Muncies to be in the majors and, and I just for the A's sake, it would be great if Max Muncy works out for the A's in this situation. Um, the other uh, in a weird way. So there's a couple. I I didn't have time to go through every single name, but a couple names that stood out. Michael McGreevy. He went 18th to the Cardinals. His name actually anagrams to very chemical gem. So does that mean he's using like foreign substances? Does that make him better or worse? I don't know. But then the (laughs) the other one that maybe is a little unfortunate, um, Sam Freelick, who went number 11 to the brewers, his uh, anagram name or his name anagrams to frill cakes. So maybe should have been a baker instead of baseball player, but who knows? He was drafted in the first show, so it's probably going to work out.
0: Can I add something? <laughs> about on, for wanna,
1: you, John? Yeah.
0: Yeah. On Mike McGreevy, um, I don't know who, who here is uh, familiar with the, the movie, a little big league. Um, but uh, one of the players on the Twins in that particular movie is Mike McGreevy. Uh, one of the one of the starting pitchers uh, for the Twins. He's the he's the, the malcontent who wants to get traded and uh, is is upset about playing for the Twins and um demands that Billy Haywood trade him. And he says, uh, "Well, I don't know if you're going to pitch me every day. My concentration's going to start getting bad out there." He's like, "Okay, that's up to you, man. What's the going rate for a a a has been starting pitcher who loses concentration and can't get anybody out?" It's, it's funny. It's it's a great have you seen Little Big League guys at my alone on an island here?
1: Not since I was young.
0: Yeah, yeah
2: the premise for that movie is wild, but yeah. it it holds up. It is it a does hold great up. baseball movie from the nineties. Like a perfect baseball movie. I love that movie.
0: You yeah, know? it holds up really, really well. It's very sabermetrically inclined actually as you as you watch <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I will say one of the things I've noticed about the names this year, there's a lot of alliteration. I mean, even if we just start with number three, four, and five, Jackson Job, you got Marcelo Meyer, and then you got Colton Cowser, and then obviously yeah. we said Matt McGreevy, we got um, Max Muncie. So there's so many alliteration names this year. Maybe it's trending.
0: And Frank Mozzicato is—it sounds—it's what a great Italian name that is. I mean, it sounds like a brand of cheese that you would buy, in in—it's in, just beautiful, beautiful. Mozzicato. Maybe like a
1: mozzarella. Or mozzarella-moscato mix right there.
0: Yes, yes. See, you get me.
2: (laughs) Another name I forgot about who went just after the first round uh, but was picked on Sunday night in the competitive balance round A, he was number 31 overall. Another high school catcher, but his name is Joe Mack. And I I like that, if only for the uh, the reason to resurrect the, the draft day, the NFL movie with Kevin Costner. Where he has the post-it note that says uh, "Vontae Mack, no matter what," and like I just I, I hope to God the Marlins like um, you know draft guru or whoever was in charge of that pick literally had like a, a post-it somewhere that said "Joe Mack, no matter what." I I pray for that to happen. I want it to happen. So I, I'm sort of glad for that.
1: Well, guys, thank you again, John, Eric, and Jeremy for breaking down the first round with me. Um, Eric, you go first. Let everybody know where you can be found and your social media.
2: Absolutely. So you can find my writing at True Blue LA, uh, covering the Dodgers, occasionally at Halo's Heaven for Angel stuff. I'm on Twitter at Eric Steven, that's Steven with a PH, and
1: uh, thanks for having me. And John,
0: what about you? Yep, uh, right for the good fight, uh, that's P-H-I-G-H-T, the Phillies SB Nation site, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. And
1: thank you all for tuning in to SB Nation's 2021 MLB Draft Round 1 recap. We will join you again tonight for a live Home Run Derby Green Room with special guest John Kruk.